The violin, you can do anything with it. You can play melodies, you can play chords, you can accompany, you can do quite cool chopping stuff, which then becomes uh, rhythmical patterns. Uh, you know, you can really. It's very diverse. So, hi or hello? No, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hi, my name is Bjarte Eike. I am a violinist and I am the artistic director of Baroque Solistne, which are um, important part of the C1 project. I have specialized in sometimes just called early music, sometimes called Baroque music. It's roughly from the beginning of when the violin sort of hit the scene in the 16th century up till 1750. That's sort of the hot period that we are working on. Been, you know, been doing that since I was 20, so that's more than five years. <laughs> I've been a freelancer and I've been touring. I have a big network around Europe. I've always been interested in folk music and improvised music. And then I found that the early music world sort of, uh, you can put a lot of these elements that I'm interested in, in that. So you can, you know, uh, study seriously and read music and uh, understand the sources and, and decipher manuscripts. But you can also, you know, put a lot of your own stuff into it. You do a lot of impro and uh, similarities between what you call folk music and composed music is very much more similar in the 16th, 17th, 18th century than it is after the Enlightenment years, you can say. I found that whatever I have as a background matches really well with Jon Balke and he's always searching for different ways of expressing. He's never been a jazz musician in that sense. He's, he's a, like an exploring, never standing still, sort of curious, uh, inquisitive type. So we, we met in 2002, I think, or something. We've had a, a regular collaboration since then. So I started the Baroque Solistne, which is the, the sort of string group, which is part of the C1. I started that because I was involved in a festival in Norway. I had to have themes and I needed to have a, a, a resident orchestra that could be flexible, do different types of repertory, but be on a soloistic level sort of thing. So it was just meant to be a resident orchestra for this festival. But then we kept coming back and we did it for maybe five years in a row. And then uh, it started to grow and have its own life, the Baroque Solistne, so, um, but I kept the sort of model, so I always handpick people to all my projects from the big network that I've been gathering. And I, I like to use it to explore different ways of being on stage, being what is, what is it to be a musician today. So I'm very much into uh, theatrical stuff or staged events, having musicians on stage, no music, moving around, movement is important. We do operas off book on stage, uh, we are being choreographed, we do lots of improv stuff. And then we have musical meetings with other interesting people like 
for instance, you'll both go and see one project. My brother played the violin, and he's five years older than me. We have four brothers. I'm the penultimate boy. I come from a small town in Norway, uh, which is called Jøvik, which is actually, I think it's Jorvik, the old one, which is York, which becomes New York. So actually, I'm a little bit like New York, but not oh, anyway. But they had a very, very good music school there. And the guy who was teaching violin, and he was also the headmaster for this school, he was uh, quite a character and he had a name. He was one of those prodigies when he was small. He was famous in Norway and then uh, he needed to... I think he had problems. I think he had some nerves while playing music. So he just, you know, took this built up this music school. So there's a, quite a lot of string players that comes from this small town because of him. My mother is from Vienna. I'm half Austrian. And her father was a music professor. So in piano, he's written books. He was a friend of Alban Berg, a big composer. So he was on that very famous Viennese scene uh, before the war. My mother played piano, but she did not want her children to play piano. She wanted to play a, a type of instrument which where they could meet be with other people because she was, you know, being taught by her father and she hated it. So she stopped playing the piano. Um, she just wanted to read books anyway. And so, of course, she got in touch with this guy, and then uh, my my older brother started playing violin. So I I was uh, there's a picture I'm standing next to him with two sticks. And, you know, copying everything that he did. Of course, he was the big hero. I think I was f Christmas, I was four, four years old. I got uh, uh, my first violin. One of those things. Uh, this is actually a 30 second, but I built, I, I put a, so I can actually play it now. So I use it in a, in a, in a children's performance that I made on Gulliver's Travels, I become the giant. Well, uh, so, um, yeah, so I got my violin when I was four. I remember I was so excited. And then I started having less lessons uh, with uh, Rolf, this uh, amazing guy who's still alive, by the way. He's 90-something, and uh, he's, he has Alzheimer's now, but uh, up till he was almost 90, he was still teaching. It's incredible. And then, yeah, so then I, I stuck with it. Uh, for better and worse, I had some periods where I really hated it, of course. And being in a small town is, uh, in, yeah, uh, not the coolest instrument to play, the violin. And trying to play the, the football and stuff next to it. So I, had, I was leading a double life when I was a teenager. I was trying to hide the fact that I was playing violin from my football friends. And then my musical friends, they didn't care. Then I worked, when I got into high school, I met all these fantastic musicians playing all sorts of instruments. And they thought playing the violin was the coolest thing. So then I sort of, okay, fine. So then I went for it.
take the violin, it just becomes a part of me. It really does. I mean, it's a way for me to express myself. I like to, you know, go in and, and uh, you know, do sing-alongs and turn people and, and then give them like, what the hell is that? And then, of course, the what I use to do that, to, to get them to really be with me is my violin. So it's how I move and I talk and I joke and everything. But if I want to catch them, it's, it's with the violin. For me, if I sing or talk or move or joke or drink or... It's just one of those things, and, and then I just happen to play violin sometimes, uh, you know. It's part of the same thing. It's part of being uh, a way of communicating. I'm not uh, one of those violinists who just have to play the violin and have to practice seven hours a day, and I just love it, and I think my, my instruments are the most precious. And I mean, I like my instruments, but it's... it's uh, I mean, I, I feel like I could be anything, any type of musician, really. I, I just happen to play the violin how Jon and I met. Uh, I just came to Copenhagen uh, end of the 90s. And then um, I was playing in a band with which had some jazz musicians and some, yeah, so it's a mix. And it was both from Norway, Sweden and Denmark. And the band leader there, we were touring, nice, nice, nice group. The band leader there, he was a big fan of, fan of uh, Jon Balke. So he had uh, invited Jon to come and do a sort of workshop with us for a weekend at some remote school somewhere. So we were, you know, workshop. We were doing some of Jon's compositions. He was doing some, and then we did a couple of our own stuff with Jon as a guest. And then uh, I think Jon, because he has been, I mean, he might tell you a completely different story, but. But I know that he had been searching for ways to incorporate strings in, in his music for a long time. And he, of course you have these, uh, either you have these very romantic string players with no timing, uh, you know, look beautiful t tone and they can play anything, but the timing is, is vague. It's not something you focus on when you play romantic violin. So like having a clear... Uh, rhythmical sense is something that uh, is very important to you. And so that, uh, and then he was working with this modern uh, who can read any music, you know, anything, and they can play every anything. Really, it's incredible what they can do. But they maybe got a bit too bored with uh, if the melody is too simple or the, the structure is too simple, and then it becomes a bit. I think there was something about the way I play, the way I approach music, that really. Uh, ticked some of the boxes uh, that he's been looking for. So we stayed in touch and then he was looking for a string orchestra, uh, a huge band in the, in the Copenhagen Jazz House, and he called me because, uh, and he said, uh, do you, can you, can you recommend any, any string groups in that, that, that could, could work with me? So I uh, said, well, I mean, I think you should I think you should do a Baroque string group. I can put together a fantastic group of people here. I was working in Concert Copenhagen, there's a nice Baroque band here. I knew a lot of great string players. And he, well, what is this Baroque thing? And then I talked to him a little bit about it, and then uh, I, he came and he heard some of the concerts we did here. And he was like completely sold on it, I mean, the, the sound world, because I think 
the way that we produce sound is not so full of vibrato and big notes. It's, it's, uh, it's more harmonically uh, sensitive, and uh, you, you try to find the, the pure chords and the pure structures, and it reminds you a bit more about how a jazz trumpeter and a, a saxophone maybe play, you know, when they play like the straight note and then maybe some vibrato at the end, or you know, so that sort of sound producing that we had matches the way that they, all these jazz players. So that was a match made in heaven. That concert was really, it was legendary and he was very happy with it. So then Jon and my relationship was sedimented or fixed. He's part of my project, I'm part of his project. I think the most rewarding thing is the, the meeting, the meeting of culture, meeting of nationalities, meeting of different type background musically. And it is really an environment where you try to create something unique and something new. Uh, you know, it really is, I mean, it's a safe place to be and it's, uh, it's a place where you want to be. And I, I think uh, when you hear the music, I mean, I think there was one reviewer when I was the artist in residence for a bigger festival in Norway called the Bergen Festival. And I, I brought Sivan uh, on the huge stage. There was thousands of people there, you know, 1,200, 1,300 people. I think one of the reviewers said afterwards that I don't think music has the possibility to change the world. But after the concert tonight, I must say I have doubts. <laughs>